0: Welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling.
1: So what are we talking to talk about today?
0: Well, I think, um, you know, we should, we should introduce uh, ourselves right. uh, first. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is Stefan. And I'm Paul. And uh, today we're talking about sequels. Yeah. And no, we're not going to be talking about um, The Godfather Part 3, um, I think, but... Curiously we, enough this would be the third time that it was mentioned on this podcast. Um let's just should we go there or not go there? We?
1: I feel like well I I love Godfather Part 3. That has been a stance that I've always had and have made my point on this show multiple times about how much I love Godfather Part 3. You have refused to see Godfather Part 3 and I find that offensive.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean I, what am i going to do it's like 3 hours long i don't have 3 hours uh, that's fair uh so but
1: sequels so sequels uh, are important in that as godfather 3 points out it can be sometimes difficult to follow up uh of, f- from a story yes um especially if the first story sort of had a particular type of vibe
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh you know people will have judgments about whether or not the second set of those stories you know match that right um and in this in this instance i i went i set out to actually write sort of a sequel in almost theme, but not in, uh, you know... Not, structure, not, I would it, say. In structure,
0: yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it was, uh, the first one you did was, it was basically, like, three little stories, and they're, they're like, lo- very loosely connected, like, barely connected. Like, that was, the, you know, trying to find a, um, a thread... you know, the thinnest of threads to connect these things.
1: It was one of those things that sort of, I felt more than I might have had a good argument for why it made sense. And then sort of built from there an explanation as to why they were all connected.
0: Yeah. And the first one, so last year, uh, it was sort of like three stories, one about like basically like an ambulance, one about, uh, a skating rink and then, another one about a person that you were at the theater and someone was wearing the same shirt as you, right?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. So in all three, I want to point out, were, we're, we're really about the, how people were interacting with with me. Right. You know, it wasn't, we happened to be, there hasn't be an ambulance and there happened to be a skating rink, but the story was really about, you know, uh, about how the people were acting to you. Yes. You know, or to me, sorry. And, and, you know, I should also point out that we now actually do have the same shirt and so we can only one day hope to relive that experience for yourself.
0: Yes, well, that's a whole other story. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I think from when you explained this to me before, um, I, so, uh, I, I kind of came across another, um, not another, or you came across when you were talking to me about it, not another thing on the skating rink, but a, like swimming, it was in a swimming pool. So right. you were like, you know, this is kind of similar to the thing, that, that skating rink thing. And then... Um, uh what was the third one that you talked about it was
1: there was the skating rink uh i I got locked in a bike oh uh, right 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 right
0: so you yeah because then so what happened is that i remember you said you had another ambulance one and another uh like swimming one and but you were and then as soon as you got locked in the bike cage you sat down and just wrote it out and was like oh yeah these things this is falls in the same you know when i had a problem piece. and it
1: was it was interesting about this as well is that it also speaks to not trying to force something when you're not feeling it because you would because i had previously uh considered including the swimming story into a different in, into a different uh story right uh but it never really felt like it landed and then in this story it clearly very much did mm-hmm. um and the bike like and It makes sense, right? It makes sense that after after one gets locked into bike carriage uh, space, that they would that they'd have inspiration. I feel like that's just a mm-hmm. should just always happen.
0: And uh, you know, I don't know, I I, I don't know um, if this is kind of what happens to you, but what happens to me sometimes is you have an idea, and you go, oh, that's kind of an interesting idea. Maybe it's not uh, fully fleshed out or anything, but um, you know, you put that in your uh, idea bag. Ah, I love do, the idea do you, bag. Do you have an idea bag?
1: Uh, all my bags are idea bags.
0: Okay, good. But I have
1: one specific one for the good ideas. I have a good idea bag, and then I have an idea bag, which is more general.
0: Right. Um, so, but you, you kind of, um, you know, the way I think about it is that, you know, you get an idea, and you're like, that's a really good idea. And then if I never think of that idea again, and it just disappears into the bad idea bag... Then it wasn't a good idea,
1: right? You might write it down somewhere, and then it and then it just sits there, just like don't I, ever
0: think about it again, never yeah. hits you again or anything. Yeah,
1: like I know you have a note in your phone that it says the word snarkitecture. Yes. which I feel like has never come up again, but is just it's it's it was, a, it was an idea that at some point popped into your head, and now it just sits in your phone.
0: And 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 what happens? The exciting part in all of this is that then say another idea happens, and then all of a sudden it's like you see how it connects to that. Thing that was still that's still in your good idea bag yeah and um i feel like that's sort of what happened here and um yeah i don't know what else do you have to to say about this well i, I think
1: the only thing left to say would be that I th- this is a an interesting type of sequel uh and sequels right yeah. that's what we're yeah that's what we're talking about uh because it is you know it's not just a follow-up on, on some, uh, on general things, it's, it's much more of a sequel of, of spirit and of structure. Uh, and, and so if you, and so if you listen to both stories, uh, they, they sort of all flow together, uh, all six, you know, mm-hmm. you can almost mix and match if you like, and I, I almost feel as if you there's a likelihood for a third, you know, if only you could hit the heights that Godfather three did, you could, right. I could really be proud of myself.
0: Well, and you know, do you, I don't know if you like this, uh, I, I think, I don't know, I I really enjoy, especially when you start doing things, um, you know, for a few years, like we've been doing stories we don't tell. And, and, you know, there's there's other things that we do is I almost really enjoy the idea of having just inside jokes that nobody really understands. And they're literally just for like sometimes maybe even just me and another person. Right. Yeah and uh i like I just like the idea of it being a sequel, but most people pretty much everybody in the audience doesn't know that it's right that makes any that sense that it that it is sort of connected to this other thing and it doesn't matter but well, but it 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 you know if it does matter to somebody or they recognize that, then that's one of my favorite things
1: well yeah and I think that actually is a that type of creating that sort of s- quiet nods to different experiences is actually a way that you can build uh, a a deeper connection to the audience that's sort of following along with you. And that they sort of get that that, that kick of adrenaline of, oh, I, I see what they're doing here. Uh, and I think that sort of helps bring people further into the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as long as you aren't, as long as you don't then allude to the fact that most people don't get this, which is perhaps the most frustrating thing anyone can do as a storyteller is tell the audience, you won't understand this. Uh, and yet it still happens. The It, it can be fun. It's uh, totally fun.
0: Or it's just the inside joke where it's like you make people feel stupid because they're not getting the inside right, joke yeah. when it's like you just say the inside joke, but it doesn't. If you don't make a big deal about it, then it's just like whoever gets it is—it's great, and you just keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you can't land too heavily on on that part of it, but it's no. but what do you do? And it, when it's light and someone gets it, then it's only fun. So maybe maybe we'll hear. Uh, I was I was sick uh, when when I spoke, so you'll notice my voice sounds a little different. Uh, but again, if that confuses you in any way, uh, use the hashtag #SWDTConfused and uh, tweet it at myself at Jeffrey Paul Dorr. Uh, or, or or you uh, stayho underscore and uh, and maybe we'll get an answer and if not, uh, shall we, you want to throw it to me or shall I throw it to myself?
0: Uh, I would like nothing better than for you to throw it to yourself.
1: All right, Paul, take it away. <laughs>
0: I just have to kind of frame this a little bit. Uh, Last year, um, I wrote a a, a three-part story uh, that was uh, about, um, it's a three-part story that made me, things that made me question the world and my place in it. So since then, I've had three other experiences that kind of fit the same category. So this is kind of a sequel. And I think you can listen to those stories on our podcast, maybe. Just throwing that plug in there saying but these three these three stories are are about rules following the rules breaking them so on so just to to kind of quickly recap um, last year um, last year's stories were uh, the first one was um, about someone wearing the same unusual shirt as me which was actually this shirt I'm wearing right now (laughs) uh, getting yelled at while skating at an outdoor rink and people misunderstanding the concept of emergency sirens. So now, so this is now these, this year's very different stories. Number one, misunderstanding the concept of emergency sirens. (laughs) Riding my bike down Bloor street west, I came to a red light at Dufferin. There was a lot of traffic and I was at the front of a long line of bikers. Beside me was a man driving a white Toyota Corolla. Uh, I'd just like to pause here for a second and ask everybody a question. Whenever an emergency vehicle, (laughs) such as an ambulance or a fire truck, needs to get somewhere in a hurry, they turn on bright flashing lights and loud sirens. These are to let everyone around them know That they are in a real hurry and getting to their destination in a timely manner is important. We're all familiar with that, right? I need you to, yes?
2: Okay,
0: good. I heard the ambulance sirens from a long way back, and whether in my car or on my bike, whenever I hear sirens, I just pull to the side of the road to get out of the way. Since I was already by the side of the road, when the light turned green, I just stayed put. Behind me, the cars jockeyed for positions left and right. And as the ambulance approached the intersection, the only person that didn't move was the man in the white Corolla. He patiently waited at the red light, oblivious to anything happening around him. The ambulance couldn't fit around the white Corolla, and there it sat with sirens blaring, and lights flashing. I knocked on the driver's window and yelled, you have to move, but he just looked at me confusingly, and I pointed behind him, and then he sat up straight in shock, like the ambulance snuck up on him. (laughs) So in this case, the driver of the white Corolla misunderstood the very basic societal rule of getting out of the way of emergency vehicles. Rules that are in place to help save the life of the person in the back of that ambulance or the person they are racing towards. Number two, 23-time Olympic gold medalist Michael Phelps. For the past few months, I have been trying to exercise more. But I'm not looking to get huge or anything like that. (laughs) I'm more focused on things like agility, long-distance running, swimming, flexibility, skills that might be needed in the ongoing political turmoil in the United States. (laughs) I started the swimming laps at my local community center pool. I have swam in a lot of pools over the years and noticed a pattern. Usually there are three lanes for laps, slow, medium, and fast. Men, and in my very scientific study, it's always men 100% of the time, (laughs) enter the pool and jump right into the fast lane. They may not be the fastest swimmers. In fact, a lot of the time they are barely treading water. But in in their mind, they are 23 time Olympic gold medalist swimmer. Michael Phelps. Because of this phenomenon, the fast lane is usually loaded down with slow-moving men, leaving the other lanes open. Many times five to seven men duke it out slowly in the fast lane, while I have a relaxing time in the medium lane. A couple of weeks ago, the pool was quite busy. Some of the men were forced to take the hit to their ego And do their laps in the medium lane (laughs) I jumped in and stood at the end of the pool getting my goggles on beside me was an older lady doing some kind of water aerobics a man was swimming towards us he stopped and stood raising his goggles I recognized him as a Michael Phelps right away he was very angry hey you know, it's very difficult for us to do our laps when all of you are standing at the end of the pool in our way. You're not supposed to be standing there; it's against the rules. I looked at the older woman doing water aerobics, but she just shrugged her shoulders. As Michael Phelps stood yelling, there was another swimmer swimming. Um, there was another swimmer behind him, approaching and not paying attention. Now I could have alerted Michael Phelps. <laughs> that this swimmer was coming up behind him. But then I thought, no, you know what? Perhaps this could be a teaching moment. Like the kids, like the kids. I'm all about the teaching. Um, but, and he kept yelling, it's really difficult for us to turn quickly when... and he didn't get a chance to finish. The other swimmer, the other determined swimmer somehow managed to bump into his legs causing Michael Phelps as though he was sitting on a dunk tank to plunge completely underwater. The lesson here is don't be a jerk and try to impart impart your own made up rules onto others or karma will come up behind you and knock you on your ass. Number three, the bike cage. (laughs) I can be judgmental but I I don't really suffer fools lightly, but I try to be patient. I live in a condo building and my bike is held in a cage with everyone else's bike down in the parking garage. Residents register their bikes and we each get a key for the padlock on the front gate. The fence and gate are made up of small mesh-like squares, like about this big. I was going out for one of my epic bike rides and knew that my tires needed pumping up. I brought my bike pump down into the cage and was inflating the tires when a man and woman approached. He might, in modern vernacular, be what one might call a bro. He marched right up to me and said, do you have a tool that could loosen my seat, my bike seat? I'm not usually the kind of guy that you look at and say, now that guy, that guy is a person who carries an array of specialized tools. <laughs> when I replied in the negative, he said, I just asked because you had a bike pump, which, okay, I, uh, sort of a stretch, but one that I understood. He left the bike cage, and I watched as he proceeded to close the gate and put the padlock on, essentially locking me inside. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not essentially, like he was actually locking me inside. I said, no, please don't do that. (laughs) And he said, why not? And I walked over to the gate, and I said, you see, if you if you lock the gate, I am locked inside and can't get out. He couldn't get this through his head and said, but you have a key.
2: <laughs>
0: yes, but as you can see... I can't reach through and (laughs) unlock the gate from the inside and I stuck my fingers through to get at the lock. He continued, but it's the rules. I I have to lock the gate. I looked to his companion for help. I assumed this was his girlfriend and that this display of confusion must have been a big part of their relationship. (laughs) She was distracted by her phone, ignoring both of us. She was just probably glad that someone else had to deal with him. (laughs) Then I imagined him just leaving me there, (laughs) locked in the cage. This was the fall and people weren't biking as much. the cage was in the parking lot and so cell phone reception was spotty but there was so much more that I wanted to do with my life I wanted to meet that special someone and grow old with them I had just finished writing a new book I'm pretty sure that I don't wanna have kids, but maybe, like everyone likes to tell me, I just haven't met the right person yet. Instead, my life would be cut short. It might be months until my body was found, all shriveled after slowly dying of starvation. But then he just shrugged and unlocked the gate and walked away. What I learned and what I hoped the bro learned was that in some situations, it's OK to break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you.
2: Thank you. everybody.
0: Subscribe to the Stories We Don't Tell podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. For more information about the podcast, blog, and live events, find us on Facebook or visit storieswedonttell.org. This
1: episode of the Stories We Don't Tell podcast is brought to you by Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday,
2: because sometimes people switch bodies on Thursdays.